Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. I've even written you an introduction. I'll be honest, Sanjeev, I don't write many people introductions. Well, I, I feel pri- well. I feel privileged to, yeah. from this side of it. Uh huh. Yeah. Let's, let's see how, see how I feel after you've done it. Jaran, 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 So on this week's show today, my castaway. Actually, actually, I'm going to change it this week. I'm going to go for shopping cartaway. Very pleased with that is listen i could list endless things this guy has done but i'm just going to say he's a liverpool fan he's a lovely lovely man and i'm very delighted to welcome sanjeev baska to my mate bought a toaster what do you think of the introduction it got the most important quality I, across not remotely it? controversial okay. not at all I, i i'm thinking that you couldn't list all the things i've done because you actually have no idea what i've done well there's always this weird thing when you look at people's wikipedia which i did do and it says it just the list just goes on for ages and i i even In my lowly status, when I've done podcasts and people go, and he's a presenter and he's done this, and you're sort of sitting there thinking, I mean, sure, I did that thing, but I mean, do, we, do you know what I mean? It just like, it already feels awkward. It was an awkward start. It sort of it sounds like the beginning of a funeral when someone lists off your achievements, like it's the end. There are no more achievements now. Um, so, listen, Sanji, thanks so much for um, uh, coming on my mate, Bought a Toaster. You have sent me a phenomenal amount of um, shopping history here. This is oh dear. absolutely Too many? brilliant. Too much? No, no, no. If, I mean, it's fantastic because sometimes people send in just a couple of things, but there's loads here. And we go right back to 2010 to begin this journey into uh, the real. Sanjeev Baskar. This is the exclusives that we got on this podcast. This is the real person that we're finding out about today. Um, and let's go back to the 10th of October, 2010. Okay. So 11 years ago. And there's a there's a good flurry of comedy buying, which sets mm-hmm. out your comedy stall very nicely, I think. You've got Sergeant Bilko. Oh, yes. I mean, come on, you can't go wrong. Also, one of my favourites, and I still feel there's a big gap in the market today for this police squad. Yeah. Like, that, wh- where is the good spoof? I know there was that thing on Sky that Charlie Brooker was involved in a couple of years ago that was very good. I can't remember what it was Touch called. Touch of Cloth. Touch of Cloth, that was it. Yeah. But I, 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 there's, there's still a gap for a proper good spoof because, God, I love good spoofing. Yeah, me too. And the interesting thing about uh, Police Squad, as, as I'm sure you know, it, was, it only lasted one series mm-hmm. uh, and then, uh, you know, disappeared. Not many people watched it. Not enough people watched it, certainly. And then re-emerged as Naked Gun. And they got three successful films out of it. Massive But films it started it. with um, Police Squad. Yeah. It's quite a good lesson, isn't it, for anyone working in, in uh, comedy or any kind of creative world, really, that um, it's a really obvious thing to say, never give up. But you kind of think, like, you'd think that that Police Squad had peaked and that was that and that was done and that, that whole thing had died. But its biggest success was still to come. There's a big gap there where I guess it goes into probably, like, loads of meetings and people are kind of pushing it and stuff like that. And I'm always just one to think, oh, well, fuck it, that's dead. Do you know what I mean? I do. And there's two two lessons in that, actually. One's a career lesson and one's a life lesson. And the career lesson is that uh, sometimes, you know, the idea that you've come up with, you have to believe in it. 
Mm. Um, that's, you know, um, uh, that's the priority. But also, sometimes for your idea, its time has not come. Mm. And, you know, it, that script that you've written or that idea that you've written that you've stuck in a drawer and you've gone, that's it. It may just be that, you know, some years later, the time for it is right. Yes. So it's never dead. And yes. that's the career lesson. The life lesson thing is that you have no idea, we have no idea what the future holds for us. And generally not knowing is seen to be a frightening place to be. Mm. You know, we kind of think the worst. You know, we think of this black void, which is the future. Yes. In which, you know, terrible things can it can lead to yes. awfulness. This is becoming therapy. Now we're into therapy territory because this is where I am right it now. Is. Just like, <laughs> ah, career-wise, just thinking, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. But it, um, it can play uh, uh, into the most kind of um, extraordinary and positive experiences. You just have to be open to them. Mm. And I think that, you know, feeling kind of fearful about the future, not cautious, which is slightly different, but feeling fearful about the, the future actually closes you to all that positive stuff that's going to come your way that you just don't spot yes. because your your fears have subconsciously kind of blind spotted you. Yes. And, and my own life is a kind of, uh, is a, an example of that, is an illustration of that in that, you know, I dreamed of kind of, working in film and television and theatre and all that stuff when I was 14 or 15. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to do it until I was 33 is or 34. Right? Is that when so you started I, doing... You know, up until... How old were you when, when you did yeah. Goodness Gracious Me then? Uh, I was about 33, oh 34, goodness, something like I didn't that. I know that. Right, okay. Um, and it was just that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, there's great kind of slices of luck in uh, in my personal story, but in terms of getting to this. But at 32, Two or thirty-one, it seemed as impossible as it did at fifteen. Oh, really? So it kind of it changed very, very quickly within two years. But the fact is that it did change. So I'm kind of absolutely aware, um, you know, from from experience, that that unknown future can be something glorious. Mm. And so it's that thing of not defining yourself by your present day fear or woes or you know, anxieties or whatever, um, that's not who you are. And that's not necessarily who you're going to be. So true. So true. And often all the people, in fact, a lot of the people I like most have had that slightly later rise to fame. So there's you, uh, Frank Skinner is a good example, Ricky Gervais. These guys all it just happened in the 30s, it's kind of well into the 30s when it, when it clicked in. I wonder if that affects the kind of direction their comedy goes in as well. I think it probably does in that you come into it with some life experience. Mm. And so what you want to say, I think changes. And also I think that, you know, for me, I think had I achieved any kind of success at 21, I think it might've just gone to my head. You know, it would have just been, you know, you, you start chasing the things that, that society tells you, you should chase. Yes. And in, for me at 33, I just wanted a long career. That was it. I wasn't interested in any of the trappings of kind of whatever those words like, you know, lead or star or, you know, any of those celebrity, all those kind of things meant. Mm. Um, I just thought, gosh, if I can make a living out of this yeah. and just pay the rent, that would be just the most amazing thing. It's just the most basic unit of all this, isn't it? If I'm somehow, I still, I still feel like that first gig I ever did when I got five pounds from the Amused Moose uh, in 2001. <laughs> um, 2013, 10th of November. Now you've got some diabetic raspberry jam and some, is it stevia or stevia? I always get this wrong. Stevia? Yeah. 
I think it's, I think it, but I, I've called it Stevia. Well, it may be Stevia. Stevia. For the purposes of today's podcast, welcome to Stevia. Uh, a light bar selection. So this is a kind of sugar-free, very um, kind of uh, uh, sweet plant extract that doesn't have sugar in. So uh, is this is this diabetes or is this you trying to reduce your sugar intake? Well, it's interesting that you pick that up out um, because it's actually a celebrity story. Um, at that time, I was going to see um, somebody, you know, who was a poster on my wall when I was 14 or 15, part of that impossible world. Mm. And it was somebody that uh, um, I then had become friends with. Uh, so had stepped off my teenage wall and stepped into my life. So weird. And uh, was a really good friend. And that was Sir Roger Moore. Oh, man. And, oh, come um, on. So, how did this uh, happen? How did you come? How does one become pals with a bond? With, uh, with I would argue, still the best bond, certainly my bond. Yes. And, and, and mine, you know, and, and the right one for his, his uh, time. Um, well, you have to have a plan for world domination. Sure. sure. Okay. You have so. to start to execute world it. Domination. And then he comes in, save the world. And then, you know, it's the bit that they never show in the. Bond films afterwards is, is Bond and, and Blofeld kind of just hanging out afterwards and Blofeld going, well, you know, I've, I've, have you been rethinking your thoughts? Have you had time to ponder? Yes, yes, I have. Yes, yes. It's not very good what I did. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, well, the um, series called The Kumars that I used to do. Yeah. Uh, I'd invited. I did, Roger Moore was a uh, you know was a big hero of mine since I was a kid, yeah. and uh, so I got in touch to to find out whether he'd come on the show, and uh, he politely refused uh, at the time, <laughs> but sent me a really lovely email, a personal email, which he, which he didn't have to do, yeah. and we then started corresponding, and then kind of hit it off, and then stayed in touch. So uh, at that point. He was coming over to do these kind of evening with audience with uh, Roger Moore shows. Right. So he's living and, in LA at this stage. See, he's Mr. LA. Or? Uh, he's living in in the south of France. Oh, I see. Oh, wow. Okay. In Monaco. Right. Yes. Um, <clears throat> as I said, he when he first said, I said, "Oh, where do you live nowadays?" And he said, uh, "I live in Monaco." <laughs> and I said. Um, well, that's nice. And he said, well, somebody has to. Uh, <laughs> by the way, by the way, listeners, uh, for the purposes of uh, people who can't see this, Sanjeev is doing the eyebrows as he goes into Roger Moore. <laughs> just a, can I just say, look, I spent years, because of Roger Moore, I spent years in front of the bathroom as a kid l- working out how to do this. And that is my... Oh, well, listen, you can do both individual eyebrows separately mm. going up and down. I can't, can't do the do bloody voice, though, can I? can't do the bloody voice. Yeah, you just, just don't. have to go deep. Can. Just have to go a bit deep. That's it. All you have to do is go deep. <laughs> um, and um, so he was coming over and, uh, and I... I kind of said, oh, let's meet for dinner and stuff like that. And he said, actually, you know, uh, I've been told that I have to go light on sugar uh, um, because I may be kind of borderline diabetic. Uh, And I said, no problem. And so I just basically found a bunch of stuff that was diabetic friendly and sugar free and put it in a bag and... uh, I gave it to him when I saw That's him. Just brilliant. That's just how what a delight. So that was, it was specifically for him. What a delight that is you're going through your Amazon shopping history. You're like, oh yeah. Oh look at that. That's that's the time I bought Roger Moore a load of uh sugar-free raspberry jam. Brilliant. Right there, right there. Hanging out with the bond. Um and did you eventually get him on the show? Uh no, no, because so you the, just became the pals show, Yeah, yeah. We just kind of uh, he had a very funny um a joke uh sort of uh, email list that I was on where he would send me utterly inappropriate <laughs> jokes. 
that could never be repeated again, but were hilarious. He's one but of those. Just, he's one of those uncles. I've got an uncle like that. Always, thanks, Uncle George. Yeah, well done. Very good. <laughs> That's what Roger Moore did. I love it. Um, so he would send me those jokes and stuff, and then I would text him or he would text me. And uh, uh, and then, you know, on the rare occasions he was over here, we would meet up. And uh, he was absolutely glorious. I mean, really funny. Very, yes. very funny. Yes. Uh, incredibly generous and charming and warm. And uh, I remember his son saying to me that um, his dad could remember uh, everyone who was on the crew of anything he'd worked on. That's ridiculous, because those and, crews are huge. Yeah. Oh, well, They're massive. Oh, and, and he'd always make time for them. And if they came to a show or something, yeah. you know, he'd say, yes, of course, I remember you on this, that and the other. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was he was really a really, really lovely man. Really Such lovely man. Dude. Well, there you are. There's, a, there's another life lesson on the show today. If you want one of your heroes to jump off your bedroom wall and, and appear in real life, you need to buy some diabetic raspberry jam. That's yeah, make sure that they, you know, they're diabetic in the first place. Otherwise, that's just like some sort of weird sub mafiosi message. <laughs> I'm coming for your pancreas. Yeah. 2014, Sanjeev Baskar here on My Mate Bought a Toaster. Um, what have we got as we get towards. Let's go back to the, the beginning of uh, 2014. There's a bit of football, some match attacks, trading cards. Oh, I'm into these now. When I say I'm into these, my son ostensibly is into them, but I sort of like it more than him, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, my son, who's now 15, mm-hmm. um, so he was uh, 2000. When was this? 2014. So this is your 2014. So, so yes, seven, so he was, seven years ago. Yeah, n- yeah he was nine-ish at that point. That's it. Um he was really passionate about football really early on. So mm-hmm. from sort of three, uh, we used to take him to a thing called Little Kickers and yeah. uh, uh, and then he played for various teams and stuff like that. But he was really, really into football. And actually when he was really, <laughs> when he was about three, um, he would almost be a party trick where, you know, we'd have friends over and this, you know, toddler would be walking through the room and... Uh, uh, because the top trump cards were the first things he encountered yeah. that had you know footballers on them, yeah. and I would just stop and say, "Hey, um, <laughs> when was um, Sir Stanley Matthews born again?" And he would go 1908 or whatever it was and walk off. Um, so the match attacks were the thing, you know, the big collecting thing that all the kids were doing. Yes, and, yes, but boys um, like that. Boys like the thing. And I'm, I'm sorry, that's obviously I don't want to uh, overgender this, but in my experience, my kids are the same. Certainly, my eldest, he likes the match attacks and the top trumps because it is putting things into sort of mathematical facts and it's organising the crazy world of football. And he really, really likes that. He likes having knowledge as well. I wonder if that's a thing so that they can have conversation. He really enjoys that part of it. I, I think you're right. I think, but also they're competitive. So yes. that whole thing with, <laughs> uh, well, Top Trumps obviously is a game, but with match attacks, it was who have you got? What's the speed? What's the rating? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously when you buy match attacks, you know, you, you don't know what players you're going to get. You don't know. There are sort of graded cards within it as well. So there are silver cards and yeah. gold cards. And, and you know that a like pack that. of match attacks costs about the same as a Premier League striker as well. That's the important thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So you Well, know. you end up spending about the same. You yeah. really do. So he was really, really into those. So And then the thing was, because he kind of inherited being a Liverpool fan. Yes. You know, from me. Good. We had to, you know, you had to keep buying them until you, you'd got, you know, the team. 
Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? That's exactly what we did as well. That final, when you get that last player, and it's usually someone deep on the bench, and you're like, finally, there you go, you've got him. You've got him, we're safe. We can stop doing this now. And we can see the Liverpool thing here as well on the 12th of February, 2014, two, two days before Valentine's Day. So I assume this is uh, for someone you love. The official football team focused gym bag, a Liverpool gym bag. That's a lovely thing, Sanjeev. That's a lovely thing. Yeah, the missus wasn't, you know, best <laughs> pleased with it. Um but uh, yeah, once again, the kid was kind of, you know, we had Liverpool, ta- I think Liverpool towel he got as a present. And then, um, you know, it, it was that. So I remember my uncle was quite a heavy smoker yeah. uh, when I was a kid. And so, you know, every birthday and Christmas, he got an ashtray. I mean, we just couldn't think of any, <laughs> anything else. You know, he could have opened up a, an ashtray emporium of some kind. <laughs> Um, and it's the same with my son. It was kind of like anything Liverpool related, Liverpool yeah. kind of uh, um, clock yeah. or, you know, pillowcase or kits, obviously. Um, you know, they were the easy buy for him, really. It just solves uh, the problem. Like only yesterday we were in Sports Direct and we bought my eldest some Liverpool pyjamas. Just easy. There you go. It's just done. I mean, I would have been very happy. I mean, nobody ever bought me anything like that. I would have been, you know, no. I'll put that out there now. I didn't want to buy me anything kind of Liverpool related. I've got a Liverpool kind of, uh, what have I got? Personally, yeah, I've got a Liverpool top. Yeah, but when do you I've wear got, it? Do you wear it out, or is it like at home watching the watching the match kind of vibes? It's kind of both, mm-hmm. actually, but definitely kind of at home. Yeah, when we're watching a game because my son will put his on. Excellent, and that's kind that's of a fun thing to do. But I've got a, a Liverpool pint glass as oh, well. Nice, nice, which also gets utilised when the games are on. And do you update the strip every year? Uh, I not for the last year. But mm-hmm. the new kit's just come out, so I'm just awaiting what the pressure is going to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, my son's 15 now, so he's a little more circumspect. Right. But through those kind of like, you know, six to 12 years, yeah. we had to get the kit every year. Yeah. so ex- Kids are so expensive. They're lovely, though. Kids are lovely generally, but f- they're expensive, I think. You see, now I'm thinking, uh, thinking of kids in terms of, um, you know, transfers. I'm thinking, is there a net spend? Yeah, that's what yeah, you're. Yeah. That's what you're hoping for, and you're hoping there's a net spend at the end of it. It's good cost you, yeah. That you're in the positive somehow. <laughs> but it's fine. You came top of the league of parenting. Don't worry about it. All right. Look here in uh, April 2014, the Beatles. All these years, Volume One. Tune in 2014. This is um, fan of the Beatles. Are we? I've, oh, he's I've got that here, actually. It's it's just below shot on our Zoom. Yeah. Um. So this is a book by. <clears throat> um, oh, I'm going to kind of try to get it out now. Don't do yourself a mischief. Oh, it's a big book as well. It's oh, it's huge. Well, I bought the super duper extended version. There's the box there oh, that yes. came in, and you might be able to see from that what just massive tomes. Oh wow, these are. Um, so they're written by Mark Lewison, yeah. um, who basically. Um, sort of researched the Beatles right. to the nth degree. So these two books, these huge volumes, and I bought the extended versions, there are shorter ones, okay. uh, take the Beatles story from their ancestors up to about 1962. Right. Okay. So he's working, he's been working on the next volume. They take about, uh, I think, about a decade to write. Oh my God. But the detail in them is phenomenal. And what was really interesting about the books uh, for me as a huge Beatles fan mm. anyway, was the degree of social history. Yeah. So you get, you know, the stories about uh, the four and, you know, Pete Best and Stu Sutcliffe and other people who were involved in the Beatles early on. Mm. But also you get this kind of social history of Liverpool uh, as they were growing up and Britain 
Mm. and then the world as they were growing up. Yeah. And uh, that I found really fascinating. So the degree of detail within it, the way it was written, um, and the fact that you had this kind of sort of British history uh, yeah. alongside these kids who were yet to make history uh, were absolutely fascinating. In fact, the reason I became, you know, having been born in sort of just west of London, yeah. uh, that I became a Liverpool fan yeah. was partly down to the Beatles in that I was about uh, six years old. And a kid at school said, you know, uh, do you like football? And I said, yes. And he said, well, you support Chelsea. And I said, well, how do you know I support Chelsea? And he said, you have to, because we all support Chelsea. So I thought, well, obviously that's the one team now I'm not yeah, going to yeah, support. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was desperately thinking of who, who I could say. And I remember thinking, I know the Beatles come from Liverpool and I like the colour red. So I said, Liverpool. And... And then you just stuck with your team, and that's it. Um, so it wasn't a family a, thing a, for you then. It just it just happens no, one day. No, my my dad had scant interest in football. I mean, he was one of those people who would watch the World Cup final and watch the FA Cup sure. final because they were events. Yes, but then watching you know any football with him was just just irritating <laughs> because he would just go you know give them a corner. You're gonna go, They're not anywhere near a corner. They it's can't. That was a penalty. It's not a penalty, Dad. It's a throw-in. There's a difference. Why are you throwing the ball? Because it's a throwing. It was. It was really. I mean, every time someone got a penalty, he go, "Well, that's a goal." We can. No, it's not a goal. Yeah, it's usually there's a, a man goal. there. There's a man in the goal. It's usually a He's goal. Stop it. Year, God's sake! It was really frustrating. Um, um, so yeah, no interest in the family at all. That's really interesting. That, by the way, that contrarian thing. I wonder if there's a, a comedians or at least a, a kind of performer writer thing going on there as well. Because I was the same. That was my version of Britpop. When I was growing mm -hmm. up in the 90s, everyone was like, you've got to like Oasis or Blur. Well, I don't think I will. Thanks. I'm going to like Manson instead. Thanks very much. And I was the only person in the whole year. Everyone else was. A, do you know what I mean? Though that kind of, I'm not going to do what you pricks are doing. That's a weird thing. I don't know. Not. I don't know. I've always been. But did that? But did that then kind of lead to you know a kind of silent or or otherwise respect for this kind of individual, this loner, or did you just become a pariah? Pariah, mate. Absolutely pariah. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, don't. <laughs> Totally bright. But weirdly, I wore it quite well, considering I was desperate to be liked. Hmm. And yet I was like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I refuse to like the thing that everyone else likes. It's really That's interesting, isn't it? Weird. Because again, I, I, as a kid, I was a real people pleaser. Yes. And it's really, I've not really thought about why one then takes a stand. Weird. But it's an interesting thing. Because that you were told what to do by that kid who went, you are a Chelsea fan. You were told what to do. Yeah. And I think also probably by someone that I fundamentally then didn't respect mm, mm. in some way. If it was someone I looked up to, yeah. it may have been different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, if someone had just kind of come up and said, do you like football? I said, yeah. Oh, that's great. Why don't you come and hang out with us? I don't, have you ever watched Chelsea play? <laughs> They've got some good players, haven't they? They go, yeah, they have, yeah. So well, come, out, come yeah. over and hang out with us, mm. have some milkshake and some biscuits. Mm, let's mm. talk about And I may well have kind of then gone, yeah, all right, I'll hang around with you Chelsea boys. Mm. You listen to but the Chelsea fans, just up the charm a bit. I once fell into I once fell into uh, Chelsea Twitter after I, I may have gone on Twitter and got a bit overexcited after Liverpool beat them. And uh, my God, I've never had so many strips torn off me. <laughs> Chelsea Twitter is absolutely... I, I wonder which is the worst. I've had, I've had a bit of a problem with Tottenham Twitter as well, but Chelsea, in my limited experience, is but both ad admirable in its, in its hatred of everyone else. It was remarkable. Well, that, I mean, uh, and, and therein lies the beauty of Twitter. Mm. That, um, I took my son to, we were invited, no, I took my son to Bridge, mm. uh Bridge when, in Gerrard's last season when he scored. 
Oh yes, when Maria yes, kind of said this kind of you know this fantastic adversary or whatever it was that term he used, yeah. and and I wondered whether I'd get some hassle from the Chelsea fans there. Yeah. All I said to my son was, I said, look, we're guests here, so if Liverpool do score, sit on your hands. Just keep, yeah. Sit on your hands. Yeah. And, uh, and and Gerard scored. And so we, oh my goodness, it was the, the, the uh, uh, control, the self-control was <laughs> diabolical. Um, but I actually have to say the Chelsea fans there were were actually very nice. Of course. And of very course. pleasant. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and, you know, you, as you get older, you kind of, you know, you end up having friends who support lots of different teams and you can you genuinely have that friendly banter yeah it would be nice if we can keep not on twitter but not on twitter but it'd be nice if we can keep sport sort of uh pre-2016 in terms of the culture wars let's just keep sport away from that please yes everything else be so I'm, I'm, re- I'm really glad you balanced my uh chelsea complaining there thanks for doing that also we should say the beatles connection as well one other thing of course uh, you ended up in yesterday i did i mean yeah <clears throat> i mean again for for a beatles fan i mean it was it was just glorious but oh. But also for, for a fan of every, every kind of creative element, you know, Danny Boyle directing, Richard Curtis writing, uh, and you know the actors Ed Sheeran, who I think is brilliant, yes, uh, was in it. It was it was a fantastic experience actually. And also to go back to the Beatles, I you know part of that weird journey of being, you know, not specifically fifteen, but being young mm. and dreaming about this world and then having interaction with it, um, that unknown. Um, uh, future is that I kind of ended up meeting three of the Beatles, and um, and I still can't quite believe that when I say it out loud. Oh, was it part of the thing. part of the film? Or? No, no. I kind of just in the kind of weird walks of life. Yeah. Um, uh, I met um, Ringo Starr at a party. Uh, George Harrison at the Royal Festival Hall, where he'd come to see something. Please say Paul and, McCartney in a Starbucks. Come on, please, please. Uh, if only <laughs> it would be kind of <laughs> Just Paul McCartney in a KFC. Yes, oh yeah, uh, it would be the. And um, <laughs> uh, no, Paul, I've met at a few things actually, and again because you because this world is so kind of mm. interconnected at the point that that six degrees of separation thing is relatively easy after a while. Yeah. Um, but it was, I think it was something at the the Royal Academy of Art, something. There was some opening there that I'd been invited to and he was there and I kind of went over and chatted to him. What the they, hell do you say to a Beatle? You can't sort of sidle up and say, you know, um, let it be. Absolutely. Cracking <laughs> trick. Do you know what I mean? You just turn into Partridge. But what, And I've had this a few times meeting, you know, people who I really admire and respect, yourself included, and you get up in, you get up in your head a bit. You kind of, you can't be natural. When you're meeting these people, what do you do when you're when you're chatting, when you're having small talk with McCartney? Well, to be quite honest, Tom, I mean, you know, I've got a theory about this mm-hmm. because I've experienced it. I guess is that if you meet people that you admired as a kid, yeah. uh, if you're lucky enough to meet them, it's the kid that responds. <laughs> you know, so yes. someone um, that I admired, kind of as an adult. So I met Martin Scorsese once. And and I was really excited about meeting him and had a little chat with him. But it was the adult me that appreciated his work and, you know, he knew why I kind of loved his films mm-hmm. that was talking to Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. But with Paul McCartney or Roger Moore, it was the, you know, it was the 12-year-old or the 15-year-old that was just kind of leaping up and down <laughs> inside. And on the outside, obviously, you're doing the swan thing of trying to yeah. remain dignified in <laughs> some fashion. I said to Paul, um, I said, hi, I said, um, uh, I said, look, I, um, I, I'm an actor and a writer and I, I used to do a series called the Kumars and it was it was a it was a kind of sitcom chat show th- I got that far and he went I know 
And I said, well, <sighs> Paul, I said, look, you stand on stage and you kind of say, well, I used to be part of a little band <laughs> called the Beatles. And I said, yeah, there's kind of... Uh, 30,000 of us going, we know, <laughs> uh, at which point he laughed. So oh, that was good. good. So good. yeah, I've met him a few times actually, and he's, he's terrific. So, yeah. um, so yeah, it was, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, no, I just, I like the advice of what happens when you meet your heroes. I like that. It's the, the childhood you who meets them. I think that's good. And I'll, yeah. you know, I'll bear that in mind as and when I meet Jason Donovan, because that's the big one for me. <laughs> yeah. Can't even... I can't even think about it. I'll get too emotional. I think I think you're allowed to then kind of you know, uh, you know do the kid thing. I'll hug him. Scream. Put an ice cream in his face and piss yourself. <laughs> Official Sanjeev permission Sanjeev. granted from Sanjeev Basker. I'll explain that. <laughs> I'm standing in my wet pants. Sanjeev said this was fine. My name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through it in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plots like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast apps and that friends with friends and we're on twitter at friends wf flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Oh, I tell you, it was a joyous place to be. Your house on the 8th of October 2016 when the Marie Brizard banana liqueur and chocolate cream liqueur. Mwah, mwah, yes, chocolate cream liqueur. Oh, it's like posh Baileys. Look at this. 70, uh, 70, whatever that is, litres. No, not 70 litres. Bloody hell. 70 litres. <laughs> yes, we had to fill up. We've got these big vats in the garden. <laughs> Of booze that we have to top up now and again. Heard about your gas. Heard about this Fill the hot tub with chocolate cream liqueur. We're having one of our pies. Um, I tell you what, though. Oh, I love a chocolate cream and a and a banana liqueur as well. Oh, well, I'll tell you where that came from, actually, because I I now remember why. Which I bond bought. were you having over now? This is <laughs> this is Piers Brosnan coming over, isn't it? Unbelievable. It's partial to a bit of banana liqueur. Nobody, not many people know that. Um, I had just. Uh, I'd done some promo stuff in South Africa. So the series called Unforgotten that I do uh, was being shown in South Africa. The best TV show ever. We will talk about Unforgotten because I... Oh, Sanjeev, it's it's the best. It's the best. It's the best. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, not that I'm 
I'm not taking credit for it, but uh, because I can't. But uh, um, so I'd come back from there, and in in uh, South Africa, someone had given me a cocktail in Johannesburg called a Soweto toilet, <laughs> uh, and it was basically uh, a sort of banana liqueur with uh, a, a sort of Bailey'sy type kind of thing, yeah. and a couple of drops of chocolate liqueur, which basically looked like floating shit. I mean, that was the the whole Soweto toilet thing. I mean, it, you know, it was obviously the most unappealing name of any cocktail that I've That's ever brilliant. had. That's brilliant. But it tasted amazing. Imagine just sitting and, down on a blind um, date, sex on the beach. <laughs> Cosmopolitan, no thanks. I'll have a Soweto toilet. Thank you. Thank you. That's four logs. Cheers. Called. And I came back and I never quite managed to perfect the floating... <laughs> turd effect of which I'm kind of glad about to be quite honest now I just love the um, image of you opening the front door darling what, what have you hoarded oh I'm gonna make <laughs> so here's this thing um yeah can, can we that's nice that's brought up Unforgotten though which I did want to talk to you about because I just I think it's such a great show and I've been lucky enough to work with Nicola Walker as well I think she's an absolute genius I think you're a genius I think Chris Lang who writes it is a genius um, but an uh, interesting thing I want to talk about is how it's a bit of a it was an odd turn for your career, right? It's quite, this is a uh, sort of noir-ish ITV mm. crime drama that rightly has built a following. It was, when it started, everyone went, this is amazing, but it's really caught on in the last year or so. People have, have clocked it. And I'm very, it's very important that I tell you I was there from the start, okay? It's very important that you know that. Um, but but an interesting turn for you to take this kind of very deadpan, low-key, lot of information in those lines you know there's a lot it's a whole different thing to doing comedy isn't it yeah it is it was an interesting thing that um, i mean when i was asked uh to audition for it uh they sent me the first three scripts of the six mm. and i started reading it and i just thought this is brilliant i mean i would watch this and, yes you know it was a real page turner and yeah. um and i said to my agent look i'll yeah i'll go down for the audition of course Obviously, I'm not going to get it, but um, it'll be great if Chris Lang is there and I can tell him in person just how amazing I thought his scripts were. Yeah. Um, and there was there was Chris, there was the casting director Victor and uh, Andy, the director, who were at the audition. And I went in and I did the lines that they'd asked me to prepare. And I basically said, "Look." At the end of it, they said thank you very much, and I said, "Look, it, it was, I really just came down. Here. I'm not going to. I may not see you again." Time for the so speech. I, time for the speech. I do that. If I there's ever an amazing say, thing, you've just got to know. Yeah, I yeah. just wanted to tell you in person how amazing this script is, and I really can't wait to see it. And uh, you know, congratulations. And then left, and I think it was two days later. It was fairly quick. Uh, my agent um, rang up and said, "Yeah, you've got it." And I was kind of really, and it took me till the second series to have the confidence to ask Chris Lang why he'd cast me, because I just thought, I think, what are they thinking? Is, have they seen what I've done before? It's um, So it was a second series that I said to Chris, I said, look, I've got to ask you now, I, now that I can't be written out. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. second series. I'm locked in, um, yeah. Why you, why you cast me? And he he said, look, I just thought if if someone can apply comedy timing to drama, he said, then as a writer you, or a producer or whatever, you You've then got the lot. Mm. It means that you can drop something into their lap, which is dramatic or comic or that place in between. And initially I thought, actually, I don't, I'm not approaching this in any way different to I would a comedy character. It's a character and either serious stuff happens to them or, you know, 
comedy shit happens to them. Yeah. But actually, the more I started to think about it and try to explain it to people, the more I kind of realised just how hard comedy is. And, you know, the example I always give is that, you know, with with comedy, the the funny in the line, um, it may be a pause. Mm -hmm. The pause may be the the thing that makes that line kind of, you know, uh, zing. And if that pause is, uh, you know, half a second too long, it's not funny. Half a second too short, it's not funny. There is a sweet spot mm. uh, of that pause. And then it equally applies to a word or a line. You know, you hit the word too hard, not very funny. Yeah. Not hard enough, not very funny. There's kind of So it becomes much more technical than drama. Yeah. Uh, and also with comedy, you're looking for a really specific response, uh, which you're not with drama. You know, yeah. if people had to wail to an emotional scene in drama and that was the demand it would it may be similar mm. but getting a laugh is is really specific and so it, comedy is much harder in that sense and i think it is so what you're saying is unforgotten's easy oh, honestly <laughs> it's it really is it, it's so simple it's, it, when you've got good writing actually and you've yeah. got all these other really good actors in it <laughs> it's really easy to kind of you know it just is. copy them it is absolutely what they're doing. brilliant. It's so brilliantly written. And is it who's the director? Andy, Andy, Andy. Andy Wilson. Andy Wilson. He's a fabulous director yeah. as well, isn't he? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great in terms of direction. He's he started out as a performer, so he can speak an actor's language. Mm. And a lot of listen, time, love. That's the actor's language, right? <laughs> yeah, listen, darling. It. It's ne- it listen, love. Re- it's it's nearly lunch. Okay, so <laughs> one more push, and you can have a nap. <laughs> Something like that. One more push. <laughs> um, uh, Yes, you can imagine Shakespeare saying that, can't you? Yeah, totally. totally. Um, uh, right, Hamlet, love. Yes, let's give it one more push. <laughs> yeah. For that, you know, to be or not to just give it one more, one more, give it another go. Try something different with it this time. Throw it away. Again, throw but it better. Away, throw it away. That's the classic. Just throw it away. What does that mean? The worst note I've ever had, the worst note I've ever had, Sanjeev, was can you just stop gurning? <laughs> just stop doing that. Patreon. Seventeenth of March, twenty seventeen. This is a very peculiar thing that you've bought here. Maybe this was. Uh, maybe you're handing this to Andy, the director of Unforgotten, just to try and make you, you know, make him give you some more aggressive notes. You bought the Adastra megaphone with folding handle and siren function. Why have you got a megaphone, Sanjeev? I honestly can't remember oh. now. I'm wondering if it was for. A- I wonder if it was my son doing something. Okay, okay. It's a, a, it may be. I haven't seen it for some time. Other things bought it with out. it. Bought at the same yeah. time as an Airwick uh, VI Poo 55 milliliter lemon idle spray. So that's... that's. Uh, I mean, that, those two do sound connected, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> you want to pick up the megaphone just to go, Occupied! <laughs> Give it 15 minutes! <laughs> yeah. I Don't get any closer! I wouldn't go in there if I were you. Wait till the professionals get here. It's a legit experiment. What is a more effective way of giving someone a pleasant toilet experience, keeping them away with a megaphone or spraying, you know, nice nice scents? I air. think I've I got both ends covered, if that's not too weird an <laughs> image. Clearly. Um, all right, good. Uh, what else have we got here? Some cat food. I assume you may have a cat. That's making me think you might have a cat. No, okay. <laughs> no we don't. It's just like, just like catching neighbours' cats. Uh, the Go Hiking Automatic Pet Feeder as well, sixty four ninety nine. so you can really really neglect your cats that's good to see that's lovely it's for my mother-in-law <laughs> obviously <laughs> really nice really nice how often do you eat these days 
Three. Oh, it hasn't got three times a day on it. Oh, for God's sake. Fine, we'll get you Meals on Wheels. Um, uh, 29th of November, 2018. Oh, you've gone for the Dyson Hot and Cold fan. £469 you spent on this fan. Does it work? A few of my friends have got them, but they're always a bit on the fence about it. Um, yes, it does. Obviously, this was, you know, in the days when Dyson was kind of cool as an individual. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, hot and cool, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With that particular product. Yeah, it was really good. I, I'd been filming, I think it, it actually was Unforgotten. It was the second series of Unforgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we, no, third series. It might be the third because you bought the second series of yeah. Unforgotten that year. So yeah, You're right. Yeah, I couldn't have. <laughs> and then I was in it. Um, yeah, the third series of Unforgotten. And uh, we were kind of on location somewhere. And uh, the hotel room had it. And... <sighs> It was fantastic in terms of warming the room up really quickly. It was, it was when the, um, it was the opening scenes of, uh, the series three, which was a body under a motorway. Oh, yes, and we I were filming that. it yes. from the first beast from the east. So it was minus seven when we oh. were doing those scenes. And in the hotel, you know, we were absolutely freezing, got back to the hotel and this, this, uh, uh Dyson hot and cold thing, um, heated up the room spectacularly oh. and I kind of left it on for some time and then the room was too hot and so I then kind of utilised the cool function oh, and uh, it was pretty good great but, use of uh, energy yeah. the electricity bill that hotel has since gone under uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and right. of hot then cold hot then cold uh, yeah night shoots night shoots that must have been a night shoot if you were doing that at the beginning of uh, that series night shoots are horrible for that it was thing. yeah it was. I think it was March-ish mm. I, well, oh yeah, yeah Beast from the East was March yeah, it was, yeah. that's right and so it was it was utterly freezing, and in those opening scenes, uh, you know, it's meant to be not as cold as that. And we, Nicola and I, were so cold that we couldn't you couldn't feel your face move. So you 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 were wrapped up in coats, and you were holding hot water bottles, and yeah. then you know they say right, okay, number one's ready, everybody, you know, we're going to get and people take away all that lovely warm stuff, yeah. and then you, and your teeth are literally doing that, and they go action, and you go yeah, the body's over here, uh, I think you'll find that, and every time they shouted cut, Nicola and I would run to the nearest car just to jump in the back. Um, even, if it, even if it wasn't a car from the production, just a random no, passing yeah, car. Any, any old Excuse car. Me. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. A move, moving car was more kind of challenging. Nicola obviously. Walker in the back of my car. Yeah, she's very cold. She's very cold. Um, it's a good vision of your future as well for you to have that sort of frozen face thing. That's the sen- that's the Botox, which is inevitable in your you know career path, of course, <laughs> just to know exactly what that's going to feel like. It must be weird when actors do that, when they get the full sort of forehead Botox to, to be giving these sort of facial expressions and just nothing to happen so weird i it's i remember asking someone once who knew um joan rivers and i kind of said to this person i can't remember who it was now um uh, but i said look you know you know joan rivers and i said she has made her career on on observational comedy yeah and you know she's had so much work done what does she (sighs) see when she looks in the mirror and he said she sees a much younger woman looking back. So that whole thing about, know. you know, body dysmorphia yeah. in terms of how you think you look, how you want to look, and then eventually how you do look, I think it's utterly distorted by your own view. Yeah. So that thing with the Botox thing, I just assume that people who've had it 
uh, are so focused on that little bit, you know, whether it's the forehead or whatever it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. that they just go, well, those lines aren't there anymore. So this is great. So I'm it happy. Look the, younger. the lines are gone. They ignore everything else. Yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. Um, 26th of March, 2019. I, I'm, you know, this is quite an intimate product that you bought here. It's always awkward when someone buys a product that involves invading their own body. But it's one I want to talk about because genuinely I think I need it. The ear wax remover. It's an electric earwax remover, like a, so basically you're brushing your teeth, but you're getting into the, cause I get, sorry for the, sorry for this over, uh, sharing of information, dear listener, but I get a lot of earwax because my job, I've always got these cans on, I've got these headphones on, and I get loads of earwax. Does this work? I now can't remember. It's oh. kind of, I mean, either the earwax thing is, as you say, it's an odd one. And also I think one of the times where, uh, this was really early on, goodness gracious me time where, you know, you get recognised at a place that you don't want to. And actually, having now just said that out loud and thinking of all the possibilities that could be for anyone, yes. I got away quite lightly. But it was, <laughs> I was in a, you know, huge Tesco's in their pharmacy bit yeah. and my ears were blocked. And Which is the I, worst feeling in the world. I, I It's awful in that Horrible. I hate it. Horrible. Hate it. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, so it was, a, it was a very long queue and I got to the front and obviously you, you try to kind of... Uh, um, you know, counter what your voice is doing. So you, you're aware that, you know, when your ears are blocked, you may speak loudly. Yeah. So you try to kind of like, you know, counteract that by speaking <laughs> slightly more softly, which you think is normal voice. Uh, but with the other person just going, I'm sorry. And in the end, I was going, got anything for the earwax? And uh, everyone, when I looked round, were, were waving it's at him. me. In it's a, him. In a, it was it was hugely embarrassing. But as I said, now I'm thinking about, you know, embarrassing places. You've been caught and I'm thinking, yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, that's, that's fine. nothing. There's plenty of examples out there of other people. Yeah, yeah. Providing there's no massage parlour involved in this story, you're absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. No it was a pharmacy inside a massage parlour. <laughs> well, that could uh, work. Sticking to that. Well, they probably need um, one or two. All right, uh, let's have a very quick look at 2020 uh, before the end of today's episode. Of course, uh, lockdown-tastic. Uh, let's see what Sanjeev Basker was up to. He's been very, very busy. Um, on the 12th of August, the Energetic Sky Fruit Picker, a 13-foot lightweight telescoping aluminium alloy pole with bruise-free basket for apple pear peach harvesting wow that is a specific yep. product it's very specific isn't it <laughs> uh and, and along with having no cat we've got no fruit trees so uh <laughs> there you go we've got one um glorious apple tree uh right. in a very small garden uh -huh. um and it's it's kind of long and thin you know people think of i even i do think of apple trees as these things that grow out yes you know, look very much like a kind of uh i don't know um an oak tree or something mm -hmm. uh, and these are quite slim this tree that we've got uh but the apples are phenomenal they're red apples and they're really juicy cooking or and just standard just fun leisure apples or cooking uh no no le leisure oh. leisure apples i've never heard that no, I'm just, I'm literally just, before, i've literally just coined it I got you've got to use that forever. Are these a leisure apple. Are they for uh, professional yeah. purposes or uh, leisure? Exactly. Sir? It works. It bloody works. Leisure apples. Yeah, got a leisure apple. I'm sticking with that. To go with your and leisure wear. The more you do that face, the more I'm digging my heels in. I'm going to call uh, them leisure apples from now on. Quite right. You <laughs> carry on supporting the team you there want. There you support. go. There you go. Um, so, yeah, it's a long, thin one. And so for years, I've never been able to reach with ladders and all the rest of it the, the apples at the very top. Oh my God. And, uh, and there's probably. I don't know. This, I mean, apples, I mean, fruit trees are extraordinary, aren't mm. they? That sounds like a weird, grandiose statement. But they, I mean, the fact that, you know, they they produce quite enormous amounts of fruit. Yeah. 
Actually, a lot of them, you know, fall on the ground or, you know, birds peck at them or insects get to them. But it's an enormous amount of fruit. This is, a real, so, this is a real Londoner finding out about crops live on the show today. Yes, crop, uh, crops. I mean, did you know? Did you know things actually grow and we eat them? Isn't that extraordinary in the ground? Them. You can get them before they get to Waitrose. Absolutely oh, remarkable. Goodness, it was just extraordinary. Eye-opener, totally. But there's just this tree the birds sit on, and suddenly it's producing all these things that we can eat. And then they went. And then they came back a year later. Yeah, they, yes, they disappeared. Um, but yeah, they've got, I don't know, maybe 100 apples that were at the top of the tree. Yeah. I can never get to. So with that, you know, aluminium extendable, yeah. specific fruit picker, yeah. I, I got, I don't know, another, another 20 of them before I got. That's absolutely incredible. It just looks like a great sport. Or leisure activity, picking your leisure apples. Uh, You've also bought the apple fruit pineapple peeler, a nice corer and slicer, slicer and dicer like that. Very nice, very nice indeed. Yeah, obviously connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Nespresso compatible coffee capsules, not going for the official Nespresso brand, cheapskate. Um, Yeah. I know a bargain when I see one. (laughs) Paying for the bloody name. Just want a coffee. Uh, Gone for the oat drink here. You, have you switched over to the old oat milk there? Um, specifically, uh, the barista editions mm. of oh. oat milk. Um, Why is that different? I, Does that mean you can whiz it up a bit and give it a bit of a cappuccino vibe? Pretty much. Yeah, they're slightely creamier and maybe a tad sweeter than, than normal oat milk. Ooh. And so with, particularly with coffees, I, I mean, I, not so much with tea and I still use normal milk and tea. Yeah. But yeah. certainly with coffees, it became uh, the go-to thing. I still do. I'm very interested. I'm very interested in the oat milk thing. I've had a couple and I quite like them, but I've never done them uh, from home. I've never oated from home. There's no euphemism there, is you, there? You, you oated yourself then. <laughs> I did oat myself. Obviously. Big time. Big time. Okay, good. Uh, so a, spe- a special uh, oat uh, drink there if you want to go for the um, coffees Shea home. Sorry, I've been distracted by this chair. Fuck, look at this chair. The Neo Executive Faux Leather Gaming Computer Desk Office Swivel Reclining Chair. The thing I don't like about Amazon at the moment is the way they put every single word in the English language before the product. So the number of times, it's causing me a real headache on this podcast because I have to read 98 words. A big office chair, £140. Tell me. Yeah, it was kind of like, I mean, you need it, particularly given this last year uh, where so much of, you know, the kind of work that we do when we're out and about uh, has been at home. Uh, it was it was just that, yeah, my previous chair was kind of quite uncomfortable. And I occasionally get back twinges. So I wanted something that, you know, was super comfortable. Mm. And uh, so not a chair for gaming for me, although that's one of the words that obviously they have to put in the description. <laughs> they, uh, they put the word gaming on every single product on Amazon. This is true, actually. Yeah, so. gaming. Toaster. Gaming. <laughs> exactly. Gaming, gaming oat pods. milk. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Um so yeah, it was it was that it was the you know I thought yes I'm going to be sitting on this chair quite a bit and will have been for quite a bit now. And, yes, uh, yes. I need something that's quite comfortable that I can lean back on a little bit yeah. because also that you get sent a lot of apart from scripts and things like that you get sent uh, links now to either documentaries or films that you have to watch. So occasionally I sit in on the Kermit and Mayo BBC uh, film show, yes. and uh, and a lot of those films that we have to review. Um, again, mainly over the last year, were were streaming ones, and so I needed a chair that I could kind of lean back on and yeah, sort of. Because yeah, yeah. you can't be a film critic unless you lean back like that. That's a very, it's a very no, no, film critic. You, you have to. 
just no. Well, it's it's yes, and theatre critic. It's going to, it's the theatre critics. I, I think is the lean in and arms folded. <laughs> oh God, don't you honestly? It's like being back at Edinburgh seeing that. Oh, that's horrifying. It, well, yes, it, well, it's the kind of oh. impress me then. Yeah, it's it is. that. You know, it bloody whereas is. I think film critics just lean back. I mean, occasionally they're writing things down. Well, that's the thing. Occasionally, I've had I've had it where they come in, they're writing things down, and then about halfway through my Edinburgh show, they'll put the thing they're writing notes on down and just give up and watch the rest of the show. You know, do I mean, does that when you're doing a show like that, then do you know once that's caught your eye and you go, oh, that's a critic? Do you, do your how do you keep the focus on the rest of the audience? Do you not just go back to that person the whole time? Uh, well, coming back weirdly to what we were talking about earlier on, that stubborn, contrary part of me loves it when that happens because I'm like, well, fuck you. You, you obviously don't like this. Do, do you know what I mean? There's that sort yeah. of, um, what's this? Uh, Michael Jordan talks about it loads in that documentary where he would he would create a chip on his shoulder to make him work harder. And I would do the right. same thing. So I'd see a critic and think, he's not enjoyed this. She's not enjoyed this. They're just looking bored. It's not for them. Fine. It's for these guys instead. And that would make me better, strangely. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And did you then um, look at their review afterwards? Oh, yeah, I can't help myself. To see whether... Yeah. Well, neither can I. I end up reading everything. But did you then kind of look at that and go, oh, I think I'm... You know, either I misread their... Yes. Yes, there's there's one specific occasion I can think of when I thought he hated it and I got got a really glowing four-star review. And that was early on in my going to Edinburgh, doing solo shows experience, 10 years ago, in fact, and I... Uh, that was a very important lesson. I was like, right, stop doing that now. You've seen that happen with this one guy who looked like he hated it and he loved it. Now leave that alone. Put that down. Mm, that's oh. interesting. Uh, listen, right, we're getting towards the end of today's show, Sanjeev. And I, I feel like I know you so much better now. This is so great. Um, Probably too well. Uh, too well, yeah. Uh, um, you've got very clean ears and you haven't got a cat, <laughs> but you've bought even more cat stuff, a cat scratching post. Uh, oh, this yeah. is February 2021 now. I mean, this is all just preparing for the non-existent cat to come into your life, presumably. It's best to be prepared. Very good, very good. Um, bounce energy balls, which are, I'm going to put this out there, better than heroin. They may not want to use that as their official slogan. I don't know. Um, but they're amazing, those things. Uh, yes, and, and, and probably not best injected. Um, <laughs> no, the almonds really clog up the arteries. Yeah, uh, they really do. Yeah, they yeah. Really, well, just trying to get them in the bloody syringe uh, to start with is <laughs> yeah. just a pain. Yeah. Uh, you have to puree them. It, it, anyway, it's a long, long drawn-out process. not worth the end result. It's not. Um, I'll tell you why that was. I bought a couple of things on that day, I think, Mm. of that kind of ilk. Yes, you did. You bought loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's um, you bought some, well, you bought some Gray's Smoky Barbecue Crunch vegan yes, savoury snacks, some spicy yeah. nuts, nut, spicy nut sack, spicy nut snack. Excuse me. It's <laughs> well, the problem with all the words. The other. It says hot party nibbles. Yeah. Very hot party there. Um, so you've gone, this is what's, what's great about this order, Sanjeev, is that you've gone in on the protein. You've got energy balls, the, yeah. the vegan snacks, the the spicy nut sacks, but then also you bought some amaretto syrup. On the same yes, order. I did. Yes, yes, oops, I did. Oops. Um, uh, no, I stand by all of those things. Good. I t- so the reason was that uh, I was filming a thing called Sandylands, uh, which was a comedy on gold, which I did three episodes of about well, nearly two years ago, mm-hmm. and we were doing another three episodes and. Uh, it's got David Williams in it and Sophie Thompson and Simon Bird and really, really good fun to do. And Tracy Ann Oberman uh, on this next series, which will come out in, you know, in the next few months, I guess, mm-hmm. um, was playing my ex-wife in it. And uh, I knew I was going to be filming away for about a week and a bit. And the thing with filming away is that uh, you, because you don't know what the hours are going to be yeah. until you get to that week. Um, 
you can easily get stuck. I hate being in a hotel and then being limited to only ordering from the hotel menu. Yeah. And if you finish late as well, then it's just the kind of, you know, the tomato soup and a sandwich or something that you can get. At We're having the actor's whinge, by the way. I knew this would happen. We're doing the actor's whinge. <clears throat> Quite right. Too. I enjoy the challenge. Yeah. Well, I rose to the challenge, <laughs> you I, have. I feel, um, by pre-ordering a whole bunch of snacks. Yeah. that I could kind of take with me and um, uh, and if we were running late, I could dip into. So the, the uh, energy um, bar type stuff, the, the nut sacks. <laughs> now I, can't, I have to call them spicy nut sacks. <laughs> Spare nut, spicy, spicy nut sacks. And uh, uh, the, the, the amaretto syrup uh, is going back to the coffee. Oh, of course. That that's for, the, for my sort of, you know, yes. OT frothy coffee just a bit more sugar in the coffee Good. just a bit more because yeah, it's just really <laughs> it's that thing where you kind of go they go do you want sugar do you take sugar in your coffee again no and then you <laughs> empty like kind of half a liter of sweetener <laughs> yeah. corn syrup into it yeah instead. yeah yeah i wouldn't have sugar no 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 but i'll have this here's the final thing sanjeev and this feels like a perfect place uh, to leave today's uh, episode in fact you bought this only a week ago but you know for all the things you've done in your incredible illustrious career which makes it sound past tense definitely not past tense uh but this might be become the most iconic part of your career you've bought a travel laptop backpack which looks yes. identical to Sonny's backpack in <laughs> Unforgotten. Does. Is that is that deliberate? Uh, it was deliberate. Yes. And, uh, the, the, you know, the backpack, Sonny's backpack in Unforgotten, uh, you know, really just started as, you know, I went to the costume department where they, you know, tell you their suggestions or the writers or the director's suggestions for outfits and things like that. And you've got some input at that point. Mm. And... On the first series in 2015, they said to me, uh, yes, and he has a bag and we've got this kind of shoulder bag. And then they said, oh, we've got this kind of briefcase thing that you can carry with you. And I said, actually, do you know what? The character's got kids. And so I think some kind of backpacky thing would mm. be would be right because it's kind of, you know, it's practical. He could carry his kids stuff in it. It's roomy yeah. enough to put police stuff in it. It's got pockets and, you know, sections yeah. within it and stuff. But it's quite formal. Went, but it's black, isn't it? It's quite a formal backpack. It's not It's not covered in sort of branding and logos and snazziness, is it? No, no, it's plain black. Yeah. And, and it was kind of, well, yes, he would probably use that because he knows he can use it at work and he knows that if he's taking his kids out on the weekend or whatever, he can pack the sandwiches and stuff yes. into it as well. Yes. And... Uh, so I said, yeah, I'd like the backpack and yeah, plain one. Um, that's great. And, and off we went. And it was only after the first series ended that, you know, in the reviews and stuff and comments, people were going, what's with the backpack? What's the <laughs> backpack? And, and also because I carry it over one shoulder. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even wear it properly. <laughs> and it was like, you know, I'd kind of like, I don't know, worn trousers, you know, on my arms or something. It was kind of like, no, well, that's, that's the, I, that's the way I've always carried bags because I've got one arm free then. And also if it's on your shoulder, nobody can kind of nick something out of it. Whereas mm. if it's on your back, they can unzip it and also, nick stuff. I wonder if it's a generational thing because anyone certainly going to school in the nineties, like I did, uh, if you had your backpack on both shoulders, absolute nerd, absolute nerd. Well, do you know what? You're right. Because the, also if you had your backpack on both shoulders, mm. the, the chances of a kid coming back and yanking you backwards <laughs> yes, by your backpack were enormous. It was kind of like 97% at that time. It was like an invitation. Like a parachute going up. Yeah, it was, gone. It was, yeah. And you'd have no control over it at that point. <laughs> on the shoulder, on one hand, 
There you go. No, you're protecting yourself. Yeah. Um, and then by the second series, when we started the second series, I thought it would be fun to get the um, costume department to fill it with stuff so it, so it does, doesn't look empty in the scenes. Mm-hmm. And Good. that just built to me saying, well, look, surprise me with it. You can fill it with anything. We're not going to see it. So, um, And I'll open it at the end of the day and, and have a look at it, and it'll just be a bit of a laugh. Yeah. And uh, I then started to – they started to go – increasingly overboard with what they put in it. <laughs> and I would open it at the end of the day. I wouldn't look at it during the day at all. Uh, at the end of the day, I'd take all the content out and take a picture. And then I started posting it as yeah. a fun thing. And it's just grown into this whole hashtag. <laughs> and um, and it is really, and I, you know, in a way, maybe it's odd because the, the tone of the series is so uh, serious. You know, serious things are happening in, in, a, in a serious world. Yeah. Uh, that, that you know this bit of fun i don't i don't know how it is viewed from the outside whether it's you know it makes us look i don't know more rounded as human beings or or me trying to say look you know actually it is fun what we do we take it very seriously but you know it's a laugh um, someone suggested actually quite accurately that it's a great indicator of a happy set Yes. When your cast and crew can kind of mock each other slightly in that way. Yes. And be playful. And all those things I think are true. Yes. Um, but I personally did not have a plain black backpack. And I thought maybe I should just get one. This is the time. I feel like this is a huge moment. Fans of Unforgotten will be whooping and cheering hearing this. I can see it in front of me. Sanjeev buying the official uh, travel laptop backpack. I mean, maybe... There's a merch opportunity here. That's just just going to pop that in your head. Thank you very much for okay, popping. It's welcome. now in my head. 10%. Thank you very much. That's yeah, 10 who, who could have known? We talked earlier on about the surprises and, and never being scared of the future. Who could have known that you, when you were 32 years old, just before it all happened, eventually one day would be world famous for a hashtag about the contents of a fictional bag? Do you know what I mean? What it, a joy. Fe- it feels fitting in some sort of way. <laughs> It tells us everything we need to know about this uh, this silly job, this silly job. Um, Sanjeev, uh, you are fantastic. And thank you so much for letting us have a look through your shopping listery. It was stupid of you to let me do it, but it's been fantastic fun. Thank you so much. It was utterly stupid of me, and but thank you. It was really, really good fun. Sanjeev Baska. Sanjeev Baska. Sanjeev Baska. Sanjeev Baska. Sanjeev Baska. Good, wasn't he? Oh, what a lovely man. What a lovely man. And after we finished this, we talked and bitched about uh, acting for ages. I was doing the bitching about self-taping. I decided not to keep it in because it was a private conversation. And also, it was very unedifying because it was just me complaining. Uh, Anyway, that is the end of another episode. So, bits of business for this week. First of all, uh, I'm very excited about this. My mate bought a toaster has been asked to go to Latitude. I know. So we're going to be doing a live version of the show at Latitude. Uh, the date is the 24th of July. Uh, so if you are going to Latitude, aka Latitude, uh, hilariously as it's uh, retitled many years ago, if you're going to Latitude uh, and you're not doing anything on the Saturday the 24th, then do come down and say hi. I'd love to see you there um, because I still don't believe we've got any listeners. The numbers tell me we have, but I find it incre- incredible. I'm incredulous. That people listen to this nonsense. Anyway, we're going to do it live. No idea who the guest is yet. 
haven't got a clue. I haven't thought about anything yet. But it'll be someone brilliant. And I will let you know uh, who that is over the coming weeks. So if you're coming to Latitude, then please come and watch us do My Mate Bought a Toaster live. Um, that's that bit of intel. Next week, Sean Welby is on. She's a fantastic radio host. She's really funny. That is a great episode. And then, oh, I'm very excited about this. Uh, Reverend Richard Coles is going to be coming on. And I've already recorded it. And i'm totally in love with reverend richard coles and who isn't if you're not listen to the episode in a couple of weeks and you will be um, i'm going to edit that and stick that out on uh, patreon very very soon as well so you can get it exclusively early and ad free there there you go quite enough of this podcast come on we've gone on for over an hour here this is unacceptable i will let you get on with your days and listen to other things and do other things with your life see you soon now bye subscribe to our podcast you know it's all about how to get the most out of your partner and we're partners so we know all about it it's good get it wherever you want to get it when you go and get it from your podcast place richard and greta you know you know hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.